Good evening and welcome to episode three of Quirkish Delight. Quirkish Delight is a podcast about a TV show that three of us have never seen before. We pick a random episode and we review it. Um, my name is Kate. I will be your host this evening and I'm joined by Sana and Zarar. Hey. So tonight we watched 24 Legacy. Uh, 24 existed a number of years ago. I believe the last season was in, ended in 2014. Um, the 24 Legacy came out in 2017 and we decided to watch episode seven. Um, Sana, some initial thoughts on episode seven. Initial thoughts are that, um, wow, 24 was really an amazing show. <laughs> I think that was validated again, watching um, this version of 24. I think overall, it's still fun to watch. The The whole format of the episode being an hour, minute by, by minute, just sort of um, living through it. I think that that doesn't really get old. Uh, maybe some questions around... Um, the casting and the actors specifically around who's taking on the role of Jack Bauer. Um, but it, it was still fun to watch. Like I, the format is, is still very relevant, I think, in my opinion. I think when it comes to innovation, uh, people people always say it's hard to innovate. And I think the way 24 innovated way back when, uh, when they came out with the uh, original format of like a real-time running clock, uh, that really hasn't been replicated uh, widely. So it's good to see like an old concept, even years later, being adapted in pretty much exactly the same way, still sort of captivate you. Like if I took one thing from this episode is that even though there were a lot of plot plot holes and, and casting questions, I think the original idea of 24 still uh, resounds pretty largely. And I think that, that that was evident today. Some of the plot holes that you might see in the original 24 still kind of exist, like we saw with that uh, with the computer programmer apparently holding the key to everything. Uh, you know, th that's like national security should never depend on those kind of things. So I don't know how realistic that was, but but that shouldn't take away from the wider theme of, uh, of 24. Uh, I know, Kate, this is the first time that you saw uh, 24. Like, what were, what were your thoughts on the on the format of the episode and the live running clock? It really stressed me out. I was I was in shock that so much can happen in such a short period of time. Um, I can definitely understand why viewers come back over and over to watch this, this series. You guys talk a lot about the Jack Bauer character um, in the 24 of old and how legendary this character was. What didn't measure up about the Carter character that is supposed to be this Jack Bauer character? I think even in the old 24, Jack Bauer had episodes where he, uh, like his actions looked didn't necessarily make sense in the moment. But you sort of had a faith that Jack Bauer knew what he was doing um, just because he had a history. And I think just because we haven't had a history with this character, Carter, I think his name is, it's very hard to believe him. Uh, and I think Jack Bauer, when we originally started 24 wasn't Jack Bauer on day one, like he grew to be Jack Bauer over multiple seasons. So when you saw seasons three to six, you had an idea who Jack Bauer was. 
because seasons one to three had kind of solidified you on who he was. And I think you went through the same cycle of understanding Jack Bauer through one to three, where like, who is this guy? Oh, this guy's really capable. Oh, is he going to really do this? Oh, he is going to do this. So that character was built over several years where eventually you got used to Jack Bauer being a certain way. And when you see Carter in one episode, like, you know, just, you know, doing what he, whatever he's doing, I just think it's impossible for him to measure up to Jack Bauer in one episode. Yeah, so I, I'd agree. I think that um, Jack Bauer just had so many layers that you kind of discovered through um, different episodes and seasons of 24. Like, he was this really pained individual. He couldn't have any normal relationships, whether it was with his daughter or, you know, his ex-wife. Um, he just, he'd, he'd been through so much, which you discovered over a period of time. Um, but I, I think that just, that made uh, obviously every episode much more interesting to watch because um, you couldn't really anticipate what he was going to do. There were lots of layers to him. But in the end, you always knew, like Zarar mentioned, that he was he was extremely capable of, of doing his job. Um, so it's difficult to really comment on Carter. Uh, and I think also coming in with sort of that perception around what Jack Bauer was and, and watching the, the previous seasons of 24 made it even more difficult, at least for me to kind of buy into him being that role. Uh, so I think it would probably take a couple more episodes at least to form an opinion. Uh, based on this one episode, I, yeah, I was kind of not all that impressed, but it was just one episode. So I have to be fair. <laughs> Sarah, you mentioned the the computer key and and that being a an interesting point to you as you recapped your initial thoughts on the episode. Why do you feel uncomfortable that everything lies within this one this one key to homeland security? Maybe every situation that ever happens eventually depends on a point like this where it's one person's decision to go either way. So um, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe, maybe maybe this is how things are supposed to be, where every like international crisis that you see, like nine eleven, or all these like, or 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 like or, like, or even like non worry stuff, like the Paris Climate Accord, like somebody pulling out, is literally at the end of the day like one guy's decision or one guy's call on what he does in that situation. What what I did find kind of tiring. Uh, was the uh, like the whole uh, Muslim terrorist thing that was that surfaced up again here, which is getting very very old, and it's like almost like trope and like not that interesting anymore because I think we've kind of exhausted that avenue of villain in general. So that 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 kind of was disappointing because I, I thought they'd like come up with something else, maybe some sort of cyber crime or some sort of like other like AI type taking over, but to see that it was just a regular old Middle Eastern terrorist was like a little, eh, come on, man, we've done this like four times already. Mm -hmm. Yeah, totally. I, I couldn't agree more. I mean, 24 was one of the first shows to actually 
pick up on that sort of storyline around, you know, the and really play it up around the terrorists and and having a really intense plot around it. But even um, getting into the to the later seasons of of twenty four, kind of felt like okay, uh, we don't need to be doing this storyline again, and especially having it it come up now and in, in, in like this recent season. Um, it's, it's kind of sucks. It's, but there's so many shows now that have done this, uh, and Homeland, most recently Jack Ryan, which was not very watchable. So again, um, try something new. You, there's a great format to work with. There's so much more you can do from a plot level perspective as well. I don't know. Like, I also felt like that there were some that there were some elements of this episode which were like classic twenty four, which I really enjoyed. So one of them was the guy who, during the middle of a terrorist attack, like the George Washington Bridge has been blown up, and uh, this guy just decides to like leave his post as like a CIA security officer, and he just gets up, packs up his laptop, and just leaves. And there's no like exit interview. Hey, where are you going with that laptop? Kind <laughs> of like questioning so uh there's always that you know that citizen going rogue aspect which was pretty entertaining to me amidst all the noise you just pick up like a random line like how do you archive a server (laughs) 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 or the program is still compiling (laughs) uh which is which is really classic 24 another sort of thing that I noticed that that's also very 24 was like at the very beginning of the episode, the the redhead who kind of works in CTU, she comes over and she's like, we're going to need to jump to enhanced interrogation right away. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I was like, man, we're like 30 seconds into the episode. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know. And, and I think the guy they were interrogating, like when they asked him a question, he said, like, no, I don't know that. And then she immediately goes, oh, well, regular inter- inter- interrogation isn't working. Right. Enhanced is needed right away. Yeah. Like, right, and everybody right. seemed to agree, like, you're right. I mean, we've exhausted all the options here. Let's we asked him, like, enhanced. four questions. Yes, enhanced interrogation is the way to go. Uh, and the way the interrogation works is that they inject you with some sort of, like, some serum and what it makes you feel like is like your skin is burning, but it's not actually burning. So they give him that. They make him feel like his skin is burning because it's all mental and it it wires your neurons a different way. And then once he gives them the information, they inject him with like the thing that negates the skin from being burning. So there's no physical injury, entirely mental, um, and you get the information you want. What do you guys think of that tactic? Even if it's no physical, like no lasting physical harm, you're probably doing some damage from a mental perspective, right? So I'm sure that there's some lasting emotional side effects of going through that, uh, which could possibly, I think, match any sort of physical damage as well. I mean, I'm not sure I would want to be in a position to choose either option, uh, but if I had to choose between physical or mental torture... I think I would go with physical almost because at least then the mental effects would be a little more like down the line. It's a tough one. Uh, So there was a scene where uh, the computer programmer 
one time he was like writing a virus to destroy the flash drive and Carter goes to him, hey man, I know this is tough, but I have faith in you. <laughs> and I wonder like when you're in a tough situation and you're trying to figure something out, some guy saying, hey man, I have faith in you. You can do this. <laughs> is that helpful or does that set you back? I think that's tough because in that situation, I think Carter had zero context into like what was required on behalf of this programmer and what he was doing. So what did we really expect Carter to say to this guy? Like, um, so I think he was trying to motivate and like elevate him in this moment. And I don't know a better way to support someone when you don't really know what exactly it is they're going through. It's like a tale old of time of like, Oh, I've never been through this, but let me try to try to give you something here. I don't think that that phrase is going to help <laughs> at all. <laughs> and at least from um, from the, the programmer's perspective, I think it could have maybe just pissed him off a little bit. Like, you know, we're in this tense situation and yeah, thanks. You got faith in me. That's going <laughs> to it's going to help me compile this really quickly. <laughs> Um, so I, I do think that there's other things that can be said. Um, even just asking him if, uh, he needs anything could be like a starting point. You know, is there anything I can get for you that would help, uh, versus, Hey man, I have faith in you. You're gonna, you're gonna nail this for sure. That just adds more pressure as well. So no, don't think that's the right comment at all. <laughs> uh, Carter had an interesting, uh, comment at one point and he relayed a story about his days in the middle east i presume and he goes you know what i remember my first door to door when we had to go door to door in iraq or whatever and he goes well i knocked on my first door and i checked the place and i found nothing and i moved on and the guy listening to the story was like like, yeah, dude, nothing happened. You just checked the house and you moved on. And Carter's like, yeah, man, that's how you go through life, door to door, one step at a time. <laughs> and I'm like, yes, that is a good point. Uh, because I know all three of us are reading Tools of Titans at some point, And that is a central theme that's being made in that book over and over again is that, well, man, you got to get you got to start somewhere. You got to build a habit. Uh, do you guys see any any parallels to that point made in Tools of Titans and, and Carter's viewpoint in that situation? I don't think it occurred to me when he when he said it in the episode, but now playing it back, um, it, there is definitely a, a common thread there in terms of you have to keep going and 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 that forms sort of a path to to success or at least uh, a path to to build a, a foundation of, of a character. Um, yeah, I think, I think you hit the nail on the head. Um, it's all about taking a chance and, and opening the door in the first place and having the courage to see what's behind it. Um, because half the time, like the scariest part about any venture is just starting it. Um, and similarly for Carter, I'm sure it was really scary to open that first door and to see what was behind it. But um, I have another slight off topic from that. The redheaded woman, a part of the CTU, she was seemingly married to the senator. Um, and the senator's father was being brought in for interrogation um, by this redheaded woman. 
so that made me think about like, oh shoot, like I wonder, um, how this like made her feel like, was this something she does often? Like kind of use people in her, in her general network, like maybe in a way for her benefit. Um, have either of you ever had to, uh, use someone in your life or use something in your life where you're like, Oh shoot, I'm not really sure if I should be using this thing, but I need to, in order to like move forward where you maybe weren't super comfortable with what you were, um, using. Yeah, that is a that is a deep question. <laughs> Ponder that, everyone, audience included. I'm thinking about it. Um, There's always a level of doubt in uh, in an action that you take, and there's always a leap of faith in it, especially with kids because because they're so raw and like unprocessed that you wonder when you say something to them you mean something, but who knows what other things you're projecting while you're speaking to them that you yourself aren't aware of. So that's always a scary proposition because you may intend to say A, B, and C, but you might be say, saying D, E, and F without even knowing it. That's always scary uh, because you don't know how things are being perceived. Whereas if you're talking to adults more, you kind of have a sense on like how they're going to take it. That kind of reminds me of of another tidbit from Tools of Titans that I was reading uh, recently, and it was really around the greatest sort of evidence of wisdom is when you actually take your own advice over giving it to others. And I think that becomes really um, relevant when you have kids. A lot of times you're you're giving them advice or the things that you think are the right things to do, but your actions may not be speaking to it, right? In your own lifestyle. And it could be something so basic like, oh, you know, you should eat veggies and fruits over something else, but then you're snacking on like, I don't know, a Reese's Pieces. <laughs> so just the smallest thing. So they, they're so perceptive. They see everything, right? So... I don't think we give them enough credit in terms of how much they're actually absorbing and it's absorption much beyond your words. And so I think that's that's something that you have to always be aware of. And now even when I'm when I'm trying to give like feedback to forget kids but even like colleagues or friends I I think about it twice before I say it because it's kind of like do I do this? Like I'm giving this feedback, but am I taking my own feedback? Am I? So uh, just a moment of reflection before you actually do that. That's all. It's really easy to preach out any form of advice to anyone without really looking at yourself first to wonder if you practice that thing. Um, but the interesting thing about like your teachings to children is, um, like you said, Zarar, like you can say a couple of things and and intend that they come across a certain way. But at the end of the day, as people like grow, they'll take it as they they will interpret whatever you're saying. Like one like it's one thing to be like, don't jaywalk across the street when instead you should like cross at the light. Like that's a very clear instruction. Um, but any form of like philosophical advice or like life advice can be interpreted so many different ways. Um, so it's interesting to see like how, um, all that pans out, but I guess like 
by requesting feedback of the people or getting them to play back. Like, what is your understanding of what I just said is always a good way to litmus test if, if what you are intending gets translated over is actually there present. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, so in general, 24 legacy season coming from two historic, like 24 fans. Would you watch this continue to watch 24 legacy in its entirety? I like the fact that they've stayed true to the timeline. Would I go back and watch episode one and start the 24 hour marathon? Possibly, but unlikely. I thought from what I what I could understand of the storylines that kind of they they kind of flashed in this one episode, none of them were as intriguing as like man I really want to pull on this thread. Even in the generic Muslim terrorist thread, the terrorist they picked looked like he is is in his sophomore year at Harvard, <laughs> right? So even like they got that part wrong, you know. Mm-hmm. Like if you're gonna get something there, get like somebody. I don't know, like somebody lethal with one eye, not that guy. (laughs) Um, So kudos on staying true to the form. I don't like how they changed the countdown music on the clock Mm. because that was classic. Mm -hmm. They also changed the font in the clock, which there is no need to do because the original one is perfect. I thought it would have been kind of cool if they re- retained Jack Bauer's voice. Oh, as yes. The following occurs between mm-hmm. 6 p.m. Yeah. and 7 p.m. <laughs> totally Events agree occur with that. in real time. Mm-hmm. I thought that alone would have been like enough of like a pull mm-hmm. to just like, I don't know, subconsciously make you watch it. Uh, but I don't know why they changed some of those elements of the show when those were like classic to the core. Yeah. Yeah, totally agree. Uh, when it started and I heard uh, the voice um, saying the beginning part of events occur in real time, I was like, ugh, that turned me off a little bit. I was like, this this does not sound right. <laughs> and yeah, for me, it was it was definitely, um, I, I would pass. Uh, I think uh, perhaps if I had started episode one of this season, I would be more likely to continue and want to see it through. But um, based on where we were in episode seven, not a whole lot of interest in watching it pan out. I think I'd be more likely to watch 24, the original series before I invest in 24 legacy. But uh, in, in general, just not a commitment I'm looking to make at the moment, but in general, enjoyable show, cool concept. The again, another classic 24 CTU plot line was where the protagonist has kind of is forced to work under the covers in parallel with the government, but sort of hidden from the government to have effect because the government itself doesn't know what they're doing. Like, I've seen Jack pull that move off so many times that it's just unfair to Carter uh, at that point. But but I do want to call out, like again, some of the true themes of 24 still exist there. I just think the execution is still, is just lacking. And uh, good luck to Carter. <laughs> well, that was one of the longest, most dramatic hours known to my television watching. If I had one parting word to summarize and recap this episode, it would be, chaotic uh what would your final one word to recap this episode be if you were to choose one 
feeling um, a, a little little bad for programmers being put on the spot <laughs> <laughs> and like um, in intense situations where everything is dependent on them, like coding something very quickly kind of makes you think about, um, is this the best approach where relating back to our, our, our initial sort of a conversation at the beginning where uh, is it okay for things to come down to one guy? But in a lot of ways, they always do. And I just feel bad for that guy. <laughs> I'd say diluted. Uh, everything just seems like a Loblaws no-name version of the original. Right. So if I had to like brand this episode, it'd be like 24 no name version <laughs> and then it will make complete sense because everything is like white labeled uh it's like the great value version of 24 so yeah that's how i would put it that, put that well summarized on both parts um in general i think a great episode enjoyed by all um until next time this is quirkish delight signing off